Hello, and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman, and today we are going to be listening to excerpts from the 2019 Drama Vic Conference, Unity, Exploring Diversity and Inclusion in Drama Education. I can take no credit for the amazing words you are going to be listening to over these next few episodes. They all come live from the Drama Vic Conference, 5th and 6th of December 2019. So without any further ado, I bring you an excerpt from the 2019 Drama Victoria Conference. Here we have an excerpt from Day 1 Presentations and Research Paper Session. We have Dr. Richard Salas and Carol Carter presenting their research. Hello everyone, welcome. Um, This presentation uh, is part of our ongoing research, Carol Carter, Richard Sellers, supported by our representative universities, the University of Newcastle and very close to home, the University of Melbourne. Um, The purpose of our research, um, which is to investigate the possible ways in which drama can support the learning and teaching of students uh, in enabling or foundation programs. Overwhelmingly, these students are not drama students, and the content that is taught is uh, overwhelmingly in the course is not drama. It also explores, this is our research, learning and teaching in different teaching contexts and geographical locations. So at a recent conference in Wollongong, where the mountains meet the sea, I was privileged to hear an awe-inspiring welcome to country that challenged the way in which it has become sort of matter of fact and sometimes merely blah, blah, blah. I'm quoting from the person who who, who had made the speech. And in respect to um, Danielle's welcome, uh, acknowledgement of country uh, today, um, this is actually the wording that's used at the University of Melbourne. So um, at the University of Melbourne, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wurundjeri people and the Boon peoples, and deeply and with serious honouring intentions and meaning, we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and celebrate the contribution their peoples make to our fields of endeavour. So I pay my respects to the elders of my adopted land, past, present and emerging, and I also honour the traditions of my native land, South Africa, by saying a traditional storytelling chant. And the chant is really about preventing people from growing horns on their head. Because long, long ago, um, there was, you know, people said that we couldn't tell stories during the daytime. And then, of course, we wanted to tell stories during the daytime. And they had told their children that, you know, if we tell stories during the daytime, you grow horns on your head. So we had to create a chant that prevented us from growing horns <laughs> on our head. And it goes like this. And there's the English translation on that side, and the, that's the easy closer version on the other side. And um, you can do the action with me if you like. Kwa <laughs> zomi, <laughs> Mpondo mpondo uga pumi kum upume pansi kum klava. So grow under the ground instead. So um, I'm going to kick off with um, uh, my part of the uh, research, my case study, which is the enabling or foundation course that I will speak about today. 
and it's an Australian first program uh, run here at the Melbourne Graduate School of Education. It's called the ICAS course, which is Introduction to Contemporary Australian Schooling. And it's a series of seven to eight workshops held weekly over a semester. It was established several years ago by a staff member here, Dr. Nigel Turks, um, who saw a need um, for a foundation program in Australian education for those teacher candidates who, according to Nigel, have little or no experience of contemporary Australian schooling. It is hoped that the program will reduce the amount of culture shock such teacher candidates might experience during their first professional practice placements. It is an optional course that runs alongside the teacher candidates' regular teacher education subjects. The take-up has been extraordinary. With, with even Australian-born and educated teacher candidates wanting to join the classes. The intended, though, three types um, of uh, teacher candidates that Nigel has created the program for are international. So these are people whose backgrounds uh, are such um, that they have uh, studied um, overseas. Um, they're typically from English as an additional language or dialect background. We also have recently arrived permanent residents. Um, and also we have Australian-born teacher candidates who, who largely did their schooling overseas. So in fact, they have uh, very little um, knowledge of the contemporary Australian schooling system. So in our uh, research project that we're reporting on today, the majority of the teacher candidates um, in, in the ICAS course stated that they had come to Australia expressly to enrol in the Melbourne Graduate School of Education teaching course. Most claimed that they were planning to return to their country of permanent residence, interestingly, once their course was completed and once their student visa had expired. Um, however, some teacher candidates were Australian citizens who were schooled overseas and were taking part in the ICAS program in the hope that it would provide them with insights into the Australian education system to which they were largely unfamiliar. Others came to Australia as migrants with their families, often towards the end of their secondary schooling or for their undergraduate course, because of course the, the uh, teaching courses here at Melbourne are all postgraduate. Um, and they enrolled in the ICAS program because they felt that, that they do not have a sound knowledge of the Australian primary and secondary school systems. As part of the ICAS program, I take a three-hour drama workshop. This workshop concentrates on verbal and physical communication and principally involves various role plays, which are taken in a supportive, encouragement, encouraging and fun, feel-good classroom environment. There is an emphasis on interpersonal relationships in professional settings, especially schools. Elements associated with communication skills, such as purpose, audience, intention, lexicon, and status are explored. The students are also asked to consider their use of verbal and non-verbal language in each activity. Some oracy skills are also employed, as well as drama questioning techniques based on the work of Morgan and Saxton 2018. The emphasis is on embodied pedagogy, i.e. the participants are on their feet for essentially the entire workshop and learn by doing rather than sitting and listening. This is also based, of course, on the well-understood uh, pedagogical premise that when students are speaking, they're learning. 
The activities in the drama workshop are scaffolded, leading to the culminating activity where in pairs they take a short activity in one of their learning areas as if to a class. As the other class members watch on the role play, watch the role plays, they fill in a communication checklist. Um, it contains such aspects as eye contact, gestures, pace of delivery, appropriateness of language used to discuss content, subject-specific terminology, use of pronunciation, enunciation, tone of voice, use of space, and level of engagement. I conclude the class with a performed research piece, or ethnodrama, and later, if you'll bear with me, I will enact three excerpts uh, of that. Um, having run a drama workshop as part of the ICAS program over several years, I have reflected on its strengths and have refined its content over time. The generally positive response from participants can be attributed to a combination of ensemble building activities, role playing, and engagement with, the, with process drama techniques such as teacher in role, mantle of the expert, writing in role, conscience alley, and spectrum of difference. One aspect that remains a strength of the workshop is providing opportunities for the students to engage in dialogue in and out of role, with a focus being on the experience, their experience as a teacher candidate. At times, students role play typical scenarios that they identify they may face as a beginning teacher, and reflecting on these scenarios, they consider how they might react in certain situations. Not only does this appear to provide a supportive environment in which for the students to work, but asks the participants to be active contributors, not merely observers. For example, um, at one point they're asked to role play with their partner, a parent-teacher interview, a discussion with a student, a peer-to-peer -peer discussion about a curriculum issue and so on. Importantly, the role plays are all done simultaneously, so there is no sense of the students performing for others. The students are role-playing, but without the pressure of performing to an audience. Following each role-play, the, pair, the pairs are asked to analyse their in-role discussion, focusing on whether the language, verbal and non-verbal, used by the teacher in the interaction was suitable for the particular context. Following the discussion, the partners swap roles so that the other member of the pair gets to play the teacher, informed by the preceding discussion. This year, a group of previous students within the ICAS program were interviewed about their in-university and out-of-university experiences. This revealed insightful contextual information in regard for the need of the ICAS program and the drama components within it. Whilst most students reported that they were having or had a positive learning experience in the program, they did, however, highlight issues and challenges they faced being a postgraduate student in Australia at this time. On the whole, these findings accord with Okudas et al's study uh, entitled International Students' Experience in Australian Higher Education, Can We Do Better? 2018. The list's there, and I'll, I won't read the list, but I'll just talk about the list. Being a teaching course, one of the biggest practical problems many teacher candidates say they face interestingly, is how they travel to their placement school. Whilst the placement office at the university tries hard to place students close to their place of residence, this is not always possible. As a result, some students have to travel on public transport for up to an hour and a half each way. 
sometimes with multiple changes of transport types. And we must keep in mind, these are people who are very new, not only to Melbourne, but to Australia per se. Another issue that many teacher candidates report is that when they begin their placement experience, little allowance is made at the school level for how long they've been in the country. In many instances, it is less than two months. Thus, this is why the MGSE has instigated the ICAS program. And in, a little bit later in our session, um, I'll be um, performing a few pieces that get performed to the students in the ICAS program. So at the University of Newcastle, the participants are students undertaking enabling courses or what are sometimes referred to as bridging or access programs in an English Language and Foundation Study Centre or ELFS, which is soon to be rebranded. We have all these lovely acronyms, ELFS, and now we're going to be PALS because <laughs> um, we are going to be part of uh, a wider university uh, pathways uh, accessing help, you know, supporting program. Um, um, it also was established in 1974, so long before um, enabling and widening participation became popular notions, and is the largest enabling and language centre in Australia. There are three pathway programs offered at the University of Newcastle. Open Foundation, which is for over 20-year-olds who do not have the qualifications for entry and into an undergraduate degree. New Step, which is for under 20-year-old students who didn't get enough marks or don't, didn't complete year 12. And Yapagi, which is for enabling Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, students. There are different components in the different pathways. However, students from all three pathways can enrol in my particular course. The students can select from a wide variety of subjects I think there are about 30 subjects all in all that they can choose from, which are designed to teach the foundations in the different uh, disciplines available as well as embedded, embedding academic literacy skills into those courses. And I teach on a course called Foundations in Education, which can be taken full-time for six months or part-time, there is a face-to-face part-time year and an and online iteration. Online iteration, of course, is the most difficult to then do some of these drama uh, conventions and skills and so on. But I do try. <laughs> the underrepresented equity groups in higher education that largely make up the cohort of enabling students are frequently linked to a deficit discourse that includes the lack of aspirations. This has certainly not been my experience of the enabling students with whom I work who have a range of aspirations and frequently bring with them to the learning and teaching process rich practical knowledge and skills and life experiences. What they do need is confidence building and understanding of the cultural, social, economic and symbolic capital in higher education contexts and knowledge, and knowledge of the rules of the higher education game to sort of quote Bourdieu. Based on teaching informed research and research-informed teaching, it is evident to me that drama can play a significant role with regard to confidence building and the acquisition of such capital as required for the writing of assignments and discourse, discourse, small d, big d, analysis. 
Examples of topics covered in this course are early educational philosophers, seminal thinkers and contemporary theories, introduction to pedagogy curriculum and assessment, contemporary issues such as cultural and linguistic diversity, which is a, a, a passion of mine, um, low SES and ATSI education, standardization, teacher professionalism, and critical thinking. The English Language Centre caters predominantly for international students, but the students who enroll for foundation studies, where my course is location, not location, located, um, are all domestic students or Australian permanent residents. While the course is delivered as a traditional, in a traditional university style with lectures and tutorials, as I believe very strongly, and all, all of us do, in the philosophies of such theorists as Dewey and Bruner, and of course our drama theorists and philosophers, much time is spent in active participation and dialogical conversations using drama and other participatory methods. As a student reflected in an interview, these drama activities get you across certain boundaries that you would otherwise perhaps not cross. It opens you into new territory. I'm very much a person who learns by doing, so being able to actively participate is helpful. This participation does take time to develop, as our students have frequently had negative experiences of schooling and are reluctant to voice their opinions. This is one of the key contributions of drama, which, as stated by one of my students in the interview, involves and invites. Well, with the dramatic aspects, it's more involving, more inviting, and it gets you. You feel less judged if everyone is sort of on the same slate. You feel comfortable expressing yourself. If you have a teacher who's out there and fun, it makes the whole learning experience more inviting. The majority of students are non-drama students and do, in some cases, come to the process with fears and suspicions in relation to participation in drama processes. Having taught and used drama education to teach other subjects within teacher education for many years, and having different iterations of foundation in education at UON since 2017, I, like Richard, have reflected on its strengths and have used my reflection and the interview data to refine and reframe the content and the drama elements and conventions of the time. Richard and I, as we spoke about earlier on, collaborate on this ongoing project, which we've outlined, for which we hope to obtain a research grant, if Richard ever gets to Newcastle to come write it with me, <laughs> <laughs> to consider enabling uh, inclusive models that can be used in tertiary and other environments. With this in mind, I continue to use, reflect on, reconsider and make use of opportunities to extend and refine an ever-increasing repertoire of drama conventions, strategies and content that can be used with adults in higher education. Drama strategies that I have used within the Foundation in Education course are creating still images to represent teacher-centered approaches and student-centered approaches to education. Making use of such strategies um, as other groups providing the voiceovers to each of the images and sometimes moving into the domain of image and forum theatre. Teacher enrol is used and hot seating, for example. Um, there is a nice um, example that I do quite frequently 
which the students spoke a lot about in the interviews and, 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 and at first they were not sure what was going on, but eventually they really, really um, um, embraced that notion. So I use hot seating role as my niece, who is frustrating the hell out of me as she has decided very late to join this particular course. I had no time or inclination to help her, and so I appealed to the students to help her to get a sense of what we've been doing and how, and how we've um, worked. And she appears, myself enrolled, as at the lecture room door for the students to help me. The students also role play interviews with people such as Vygotsky, Bruna, Montessori, etc. Mental of expert is used to engage um, students as principals or senior teachers, etc., to create an ideal school and then help them to help parents find a school for their children. A drama where I take on the role of a child with challenging behaviours, and the students are experts, e.g., psychologists, that, also, that, have also, that has also been very effective. And as the drama progresses, students consider who else should be consulted and volunteer students take on the role as the child's parents, teachers, siblings, etc. Students are also enrolled as politicians who have to represent their party prior to the upcoming election on educational issues. The challenging nature of the drama techniques and the crossing of boundaries and borders was considered. These contributions challenged the notion of dumbing down, which has been part of the narrative of higher education inclusion in the past. Burke et al. 2017. The participants all believe that embedded, embedding drama strategies and techniques into the course and participating in an active learning process by doing was beneficial to their learning. Of course, the people that you interview are the ones who most uh, you know, enjoy the processes, but overall, just you know, looking at how the students react is pretty much across the board. Conscience Alley is used in a number of ways including transmission or chalk and talk versus constructivism, inclusive versus exclusive education, national or state curriculum. Physical placing on the line activities are also used, different approaches to curriculum and where the students stand in relation to those. And you also use a convention called the open door technique quite frequently. Um, and I've discovered that it's not something that, 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 is, you know, that everybody knows about. Um, so, for example, um, exploring good and bad teachers on a first day at school or university. So the open door technique is a strategy, strategy used to focus attention on one group of students at a time. It provides opportunities for students, um, oh, which you didn't uh, do this properly <laughs> to share action or discuss in role without moving out of context or breaking the continuity of the discussion. So there's an imaginary door between the different groups of students and the rest of the class, and um, which is open in order to catch a glimpse of a particular group and then close it and then move it to another group. So they're just in that moment, they're not performing per se, um, to see what's being said or done. The parachute debate, where groups of students um, were seminal thinkers who had to argue for being most deserving of the parachute as the plane was going to crash and there was only one parachute was a particular favourite of the students and did not always go the way I wished it, which is not <laughs> uncommon in drama, including problem solving on how to fix the plane 
rather than focusing on what I wanted them to do, or colluding with one of the theorists, E.G. Dewey, to allow him or her to have the parachute as long as there was agreement to sue the pilot, i.e. me. Um, um, a specific aspect of the ICAS drama workshop, and one that has perhaps um, produced the greatest response uh, from the participants, is an ethnodrama performance or perform research presentation I present to the teacher candidates at the end of the workshop. As I explained to the students, there are two monologues. The first is from Colin, a pre-service or training teacher. Um, he's both a drama and media teacher. The second is from Sarah, his mentor teacher. The monologues are verbatim in nature. That is, the dialogue is formed from interview transcripts and field notes um, that I recorded during um, a research project. In writing these monologues, I've honoured the pact that I've always made with my participants that as a part of the ethical conduct of the project, any dramatic text that I should write based on my research would use verbatim text as collected in the field and that it would not be taken out of its original context. It is evident that both in both monologues that Colin is experiencing some problems with his teaching, but is not seeking help from his mentor. Um, he claims that Sarah, his mentor teacher, is too busy to spend much time with him. Whereas Sarah has a different perspective as to why Colin is not seeking her assistance. So first of all, we'll hear from Colin. He's going to use a few drama props. Right, be a second. So, like, I turned up to the drama theatre to take a year seven class. And when I got there, the whole class was completely feral. Sarah, my mentor teacher, well, she was meant to be there. I had told her that I was showing a film for media studies the lesson before. And so I might be a few minutes late. And she was like, that's fine. I'll start them off and you can take over when you get here. Well, I'm here, the kids are feral, and Sarah's not here. And I think, what is this? What's going on? Is it meant to be some kind of test? The kids have got into the props room, and they're all wearing costume items. And I think, Sarah is going to go ballistic, because she is so strict about that sort of thing. And I can't believe that the kids have done this because they know how strict she is. And as I'm taking this, someone who I've never met before comes out of the props room and she's smiling at me. And she says, hi, I'm Angie. I'm the relief teacher. Sarah's gone home sick. And like, I'm full of mixed emotions because I've really worked hard on planning today's lesson based on the feedback that Sarah gave me last time. And I really wanted to show her how I've taken on board the advice, and now she's not here. And I'm a little disappointed in the kids too, for taking advantage of Angie, pretending that they were allowed to help themselves to the costumes when they knew that they weren't. And now, worst of all, I have, this, I have to take this double drama lesson, and Angie seems to have no idea about teaching drama whatsoever. And I wonder if it's even legal to be supervised by a relief teacher. 
And just when I think things can't get any worse, the head of student services or the head of student counselling or whatever comes in looking for a couple of the students. And she recognises me and she said, how's it going? As if what the kids were doing right now is something that I planned. And it was not just them playing dress-ups and mucking around. Clearly, that's what she thought drama is. Getting dressed up and mucking around, nothing more. And all I could do to bring, to bring myself to say was, yeah, it's going fine, which was so lame. <laughs> anyway, she goes, the kids are running wild, Angie is walking around aimlessly and taking no responsibility for the kids' behaviour. She hasn't got a clue and she's actually helping a girl get into one of the costumes. And I think, well, clearly she's not going to do anything about taking charge. So I clap my hands and I say, okay, year seven, come on, sit in a circle, which incredibly they do. But then I realised what I meant to say was take the costumes off and come and sit in the circle, but I didn't say that. And now I can see that every single student has some sort of costume on. And they're all sitting there in the circle waiting to hear what we're going to do next. And I'm just about to tell them to take the costumes off when I think, hang on a minute, what's worse? Having the students in costume today or telling them to put them away and then have them resent me for it? So, I decide to ignore it. Sarah's not here. Clearly Angie hasn't got a clue. And today, this is my class. And today is going to be dress-up day. <laughs> And just to prove it, I grab a sort of Robin Hood hat that's sort of sitting amongst the mountain of costumes on the floor, and I put it on, and I join the circle. And I say, okay, Year 7, let's get started. Let's go around the circle, and you tell me what character you've dressed up as today. Now, even though Colin is a drama or media teacher, the ICAS students say that they could easily relate to the situation that they saw. They find the next performance piece, though, to be a rare insight because rarely, if ever, do they get, are they privy to a frank discussion such as the one that follows. It's from Sarah, Colin's mentor teacher. It was originally recorded after Colin's placement and after he received his placement assessment. And I'll cut this a little bit short, I think, just for time. <laughs> <laughs> With Colin, I could see he was pretty, pretty much a warrior. Well, I wasn't, I wouldn't call him a perfectionist, but rather someone who was seeking approval the whole time. He took my feedback a little bit too much to heart. I was kind of hurt by it. Rather than seeing it as my way of helping him to improve his teaching. I was critical of him at times, but no more than I've been for any other teacher candidate in the past. Overall, I had a real problem communicating with him. We sort of never quite got off on the right foot, and I don't think either of us ever recovered from that, which is regrettable. It was nothing in particular that caused this, it was more of a sort of a mismatch that we could never quite resolve. I'm sure he thought I had a low opinion of him, which was not the case, and was not reflected in my assessment. He probably thought that I was really stuck up and standoffish. I think Colin's main problem 
on his drama placement was that he tried to hide what he saw as his deficiencies, especially around classroom management, rather than come and talk to me about it. But you know, he wasn't that available. Now, I think there may have been a bit of a ploy on his behalf. At the end of the class, he'd say he had to rush off or, and teach or observe another lesson. But I think he was worried that he'd hear some negative feedback from me. And I suppose, in a way, if there's any blame to be had, maybe I should have been more available for him as well. Now, it was pretty obvious that Colin didn't want to be strict with the students. But by being all egalitarian and wanting to be their best friend, he didn't seem to be um, able to be strict with them. But then when he did try to be strict with them, it was too late. All it did was confuse them, especially in the junior levels. And I think Colin lost the respect of some of the kids at that point. And just to finish, I'm currently writing um, a new monologue. It's one of, about one of our ICAS participants and her experiences with her mentor teacher in a primary school in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. It'll be presented to the ICAS students next year. Cecilia is a Chinese-born teacher candidate who is in the final semester of her two-year course. She arrived in Australia to commence her course around 18 months ago. Here are a few excerpts from what will be a longer narrative. Some mentor teachers are understanding, but others are not. Some can be rude or tactless. Some can start off like that at first, but that can change sometimes when they get to know you better. Of my last placement, my mentor Mary kept saying to me, in Australia we do this, or in Australian schools we do it this way. She probably meant well, but I found her comments condescending, and I was made to feel second class, not a part of her Australia. I wanted to say, I want to learn from you as a colleague, not as an inferior, but I didn't. You're meant to get on with your mentor teacher, right? And when I wanted to do some drama with my grade fours, she said, oh, I didn't think you'd be a drama kind of person. I thought, is that because I look Asian? Or is it because I appear introverted? When I told her I had studied drama for two years as part of my Master of Primary Teaching, she was genuinely surprised. I told her drama was one of my favourite subjects and we'd done dramatic play, process drama, and put on a performance of the picture book Rose Meets Mr Wintergarten. Mary became much more interested at that point and so I showed her the curriculum outline of the process drama we'd done in class based on Sean Tan's The Lost Thing. And Mary suggested I might like to do something similar with a book her students were studying, Fly Away Home. Not a full session, she said, but one or two activities as part of her reading and viewing program. To help the students to better understand the setting of the book, I set up the classroom like the airport terminal in the book, and, and each student had a role to play at the airport. I played teacher in role, and and I paid the father in the book, and the students hot-seated me and asked me questions like, how come I'd become homeless, and how was my son feeling? They loved it. Carol. Okay.
finishes off. Okay, um, uh, Richard, just go to the 13.12 because we won't have time to watch. No problems, we'll do. Thing. Okay, so um, I'm going to play parts, I'm going to play one part, I'm going to play two parts of an ethnodrama that I wrote from data gathered previously and from three pro the three projects that involve Richard and I and Sabiko Art Centre in South Africa. I put it together with the help of two of my PhD students from Indonesia. While 90% of the data is verbatim, I have woven the data into a fictional storytelling that has been written as a traditional South African story or in Somi and elevated Richard and I to King Richard and St. Joan. <laughs> if you want to watch the full piece, it is available on YouTube and consists of three parts. The first part is a positioning of myself and my experience. The second part is um, data from a South African project of first year students facing the beast of higher education. And then the last part is based on the projects that we've spoken about. So, um, so I'll, we just go to the last part. Help us, help us in higher education to use creativity, drama, and imagination. I'm a king Richard Sales of Melbourne, ready to conquer the peace of higher education for introductions to contemporary of Australian schooling students who require further academic preparations or confidence building. I am St. John Carol Carter in Newcastle, seriously defending drama strategies for the students in the English Language and Foundation Studies enabling programs. I'm Gero, Chibiqua Art Center of South Africa, trying to save drama education by working with students who undergo a facilitation program enabling them to teach drama. Help us, help us in higher education to use creativity, drama, and imagination. We come together for a moment to use our practice and praxis to reflect on ways in which drama can support learning and teaching and can conquer the higher education beast. Our collaborative experience and expertise helps us to successfully integrate drama education techniques and practices to contribute towards conquering the beast. I sharpen my arrows with the responses to students toward their experiences that is probably connected to both enabling and drama communities. Okay, I'm just going to, it's all up, I'll read different research. Why are you doing that too? If people wanted to Google it up, um, on YouTube, what, what would they type in? Do you know I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the link. Um, okay, so let's just finish it with the last little. It's a collaborative pedagogy where we learn together and teach each other in a dramatic encounter that is flexible, dialogical and not fixed, is an essential ingredient for learning and teaching in the drama space. As Neelan says, drama cannot, of course, of course, teach in any kind of way, nor can it of itself be powerful. It is what we do through our human agency with drama that determines the specific pedagogy and specific power. So let us use our human agency to find our way in this land called higher education. We will continue to research our and other teaching and learning environments to support inclusivity in tertiary contexts and to add to and extend the possibility and role that drama has to play in enabling education.
that's the end of it. There's just credits and ah, oh, ah. We just get out of that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that is all from us at the aside. We have a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to look through those and find one that piques your interest. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a request for a future episode, do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>